Do I say it? Do I say it? It's not my fault. Do I say it? <laughs> Good morning, my friends. For those in Quebec, happy St. John the Baptist. We should be wearing blue. I've got my blue on. I should have done my background in blue. Yeah, I guess I've done my background. Anyways, welcome everyone. I am so excited about today's segment. Once again, uh, as I'm getting the podcast ready yesterday and today, I'm really thinking about me as a leader in my multi-level marketing business, uh, as a leader in my family, as a leader in my community, uh, as a leader for myself, if I want to lead myself. So today's segment is called Snowmobile in the Desert. Snowmobile in the Desert. That says a lot by itself, right? Uh, I love the way Simon, Simon puts it. Simon says, it's ironic what happens with technology. Yes, we are advancing on one hand, but no, on the other hand, uh, we're losing a lot. So my friend, Dr. Melanie Miller, is going to talk about um, neocortex and limbic brain. So when we were reading yesterday, I said, okay, Melanie, you have to understand, okay? People like me, when you come out with a word like limbic brain and you come up with the word neocortex, anybody else like me, we're like, deer, like a deer in headlights, like I'm going, oh, 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 oh right? That, that was me yesterday. So I said, Mel, Please explain to us our limbic brain, that, that, that side that controls our feelings and our abilities to trust and cooperate, how sometimes with technology we can go backwards instead of frontwards. And then we're going to have Marie-Pierre, who's going to help us understand that we need to develop the core values of trust. If that doesn't happen, we cannot work together. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, oh, look who's here with us, Jacqueline, what? I always see her on, uh, on Facebook. Now I get to see her right here with us. Okay, sorry, guys. I, I'm squirrel. Oh, there I go. <laughs> go off on another subject. Um, so for me, when we're, I was getting this podcast ready yesterday, I, sa I said to myself, snowmobile in the desert. How many of you out there are like snowmobile in the desert, which means that you're an incredible machine, but you just have the wrong environment. So I know I'm like a fighter jet. So Melanie, I said to myself, what am I? I'm like a fighter jet. Now, can you imagine me, Melanie, in a corporate world with a manager on top of me or a uh, a CFO or a CEO on top of me that is absolutely incompetent. What would happen to me that I am a phenomenal machine? I would die in rust. And today I'm going to ask many of you this weekend to take an overview, an overlook. Who are you? If you were to treat yourself as a snowmobile or a boat or a bike or a fighter jet, like who are you? And ask yourself, if this is me, am I in the right environment? And if not, what are you going to do to get out or create your own environment? So anyways, with no further ado, I'm going to leave it over to Dr. Melanie. Okay. Actually, as soon as you said that, Maria, I was thinking she's got a tugboat ahead of her. And she's a fighter jet. Can you imagine what, uh, how, uh, how good that would go? Anyway, yes. So good morning, everybody, on this beautiful uh, sunny morning in Montreal. So humans are definitely the ones that make things happen. 
I mean, we don't see any uh, animals in the process of building uh, buildings or, or um, setting the world alight with new creations. We are here, we invent, we build, we, we achieve, and only humans have come up with things like the pyramids, like steam engines, like fighter jets. We are the people. And how come, how is it that we can do those things and other animals can't? We all have brains, okay? But the structure of the human brain, and I want you to uh, not imagine a brain so much, but imagine the shape of your head. So if you imagine the shape of your head, it's got this big bulbous thing at the back here, and that is the, the place where we keep our neocortex. And so what happens is the neocortex is the thinking part of the brain. Now, some animals have a small neocortex, uh, which means that they are able to think. I mean, you, you've probably seen, um, I don't know if you've heard of honey badgers, but they are like extremely intelligent and uh, they, can, they have some neocortex. They can plan things, they can build things. Um, if you ever want to see amazing things by an animal, look up Stoffel the honey badger because he manages to build things and get out of his pen. It's absolutely amazing. However, he's not going to uh, create any major things that's going to impact our lives. So this bit of our brain that is responsible for reasoning, rationality, and learning, it's called the neocortex. It gets things done. There are two other parts of our brain which we share with other animals. Uh, with mammals, they, um, well, with all animals, they have the brain stem. The brain stem is where we breathe, where it makes our heart beat, where our muscles work. And um, all of us have those. Then the third part of the brain, which is the most important in many ways, is where we have our feelings. And our feelings are part of the limbic brain. Now many mammals have feelings. They care for their young. That means that they actually um, have feelings about their children, but nothing like the way we do. So the limbic system allows us to trust people. It allows us to love humans and pets. It allows us to socialize and build up interactions and to create social bonds with other humans to work together. It is the capacity of working together which continues to allow humans to survive. We relish joy we feel from helping other people. We thrive on working with people who have the same values. The thinking part of our brain comes up with ideas. The feeling part of our brain lets us achieve them through cooperation. Unfortunately, in today's world, we actually are advancing in terms of thinking, but we're almost going backwards in terms of cooperation. Why? Because we have situations where more stress is happening, more isolation feelings, more breakdowns. 
you've only got to look at the self-help industry to see how much effort is now being put in to making us feel happy. Like, why do we need things to help us make us feel happy? Don't you get joy from doing things from somebody else? The trouble is the society has got so inward looking, so me, myself and I looking, that it's unable to do those things that naturally give us joy. There are so many therapists, so many psychologists, so many counselors, and it continues to increase every day. Why is it like this? Well, my, I always remember my dad, he had this famous expression. He said, he's a square peg in a round hole. What does that mean? That means that people are not fitting into what they're doing. So just like the snowmobile in a desert, sure, a snowmobile be able to operate. Surely sand is like snow. Well, it's similar, but it's not the same. So a snowmobile works in the desert, it, um, but to a much lesser capacity. And what happens? Well, they tweak the, the, uh, the machine around, try to make it fit. It fits a little bit better and then it moves forward. Well, that's what happens to us in our work environment. Maybe we're put into a job that just does not fit us. And the environment is just not where we want to be. So what do they do? They hire and fire people to try and make the environment fit better. They, they set ridiculous goals for that dopamine fix. The cortisol rises up. Guess what happens? Me, myself and I, we just talk about, we just think about us. We just think about what's in it for me. And I have to tell you guys, when I moved here from Australia, the biggest impact on me was the North American what's in it for me. You couldn't have a conversation with anyone without somebody piping up. Yeah. And what do I get out of this? Or what does my kid get out of this? And so it is absolutely rampant in our society. Now, trust is the lubrication of a machine. It is the lubrication of our society being able to work as it used to work. When trust is present, people will work together like a well-oiled machine. And taking time to set up environments where people are working together is not what we're doing. They are chasing the dopamine fix and they're not considering the serotonin and oxytocin requirements too. If we can work on trust, cooperation increases, output increases, and there's more, enough more than enough dopamine to go around. So that is my little bit about the brain and, and square pegs in round holes. Now we're gonna go over to Mary Pierre, who's gonna do a little bit more about the how, I think. <laughs> Thank you, Melanie, and I'm so looking forward for how you will say this expression in French. <laughs> I don't know how to translate it, so I, I'm really happy <laughs> that I will hear that. 
<laughs> so yes, how we can build trust because there are some basic things that all leader or organization must obey to build deep trust and commitment amongst people who work for them. So in a very undopamine way, it will take time, energy, and the will of uh, people for this thing to work. So there's the core driver of trust. So how we can build uh, this foundational leadership capital. So trust has three core drivers. They call that the trust triangle. So there's authenticity, logic, and empathy. So people will uh, tend to trust you when they believe that and that they are interacting with the real you, authenticity, when they have faith in your judgment and competence, logic, and when they feel that you care about them, empathy. So when trust is lost, it can almost always be traced back to a breakdown in one of these three drivers. So to build trust as a leader, you first need to figure out which driver you wobble on. So the good news is that most of us generate a stable pattern of trust signal, which means a small change in behavior can go a long way. So in moments when trust is broken or fails to get any real traction, it's usually the same driver that has gone wobbly on us. Authenticity, empathy, or logic. So we can we call this driver your trust wobble. In simple terms, it's the driver that most likely to fail you. So if you want to learn a little bit more for each of those um, trusted drivers, so first, empathy. So most high-achieving leaders struggle with this one. And <laughs> this morning, <laughs> I was thinking about mm, the mastermind, who is doing the podcast. I think we all <laughs> are high-achiever leaders. So yes, I know that it's something that we are most struggling with is empathy. So seeing a lack of empathy is a major barrier to empowerment leadership. So if people think you care more about yourself than about others, they won't trust you enough to lead them. So empathy wobbles are common among people who are analytical and driven to learn. They often get impatient with those who aren't similarly motivated, who take longer than they do to understand something. So I think we all have some people in our head that we can think of. Additionally, the tools and experience of the modern workplace continue this track or prevent us from demonstrating empathy by imposing a 24-hour demands on our time and putting at our disposal all sorts of technology that compete for our attention at any given moment. So our beeping and buzzing device constantly assert our self-importance, sometimes smack in the middle of interaction with the very people we're working to empower and lead. So we advise that empathy wobblers to pay attention, to pay close attention to their behavior in group setting, particularly when other people have the floor. So consider what often um, happens in a meeting. When it kicks off, most people will feel very engaged, but as soon as empathy wobblers understand the concept of the discussion and have contributed their idea, they will lose interest. So their engagement plummet and remains low until the gathering comes to an end. Instead of paying attention, they often multitask, check their phone, engage in flamboyant display of boredom, and anything to make clear that this meeting is beneath them. Unfortunately, the cost of these indulgence is trust. So if you sing- signal that you matter more 
than everyone else, why should anyone trust the direction you're going in? So what's in it, what's in it for the rest of us to come along? So there's a basic solution to this problem. Instead of focusing on what you need in that meeting, work to ensure that everyone else gets what they need. So take radical responsibility for others in the room. Share the burden of moving the dialogue forward, even if it's not your meeting. This is almost impossible to do if texting or checking your email is an option. So put your device away because everyone knows you're not taking notes on your <laughs> their good idea. <laughs> so and the last thing we'll say on empathy is this. If you do nothing else to change your behavior, put away your phone more frequently, put it truly away, out of sight, out of reach, not just flip over for a few minutes at a time. You will be amazed at the change in the quality of your interaction and your ability to build trust. The second driver is logic. So if people don't always have the confidence in the rigor of your idea, or if they don't have full faith in your ability to deliver on them, then logic is probably your wobble. So if they don't trust your judgment, why would they want to uh, want you at the wheel? So when logic is the problem, we advise going back to the data. So root the case you're making in sound evidence, speak about the things you know to be true beyond a reasonable doubt, and then, this is the hard part, stop there. Once you get comfortable with how that feels, now start expanding what you know. So along the way, make an effort to learn from other people and their insight is um, amongst your most valuable resources. But to assess it, you must be willing to reveal that you don't have all the answer and something that leaders often resist. So engaging people about their experience as the additional benefit of communicating who you are and what energize, energizes you professionally and and uh, authenticity boast. <laughs> and for most logic wobbler, however, the rigor isn't the issue. Most of the time, the problem is the perception of wobbly logic rather than the reality of it. So why does that happen? Because they are not communicating their idea effectively. So learn on how you can communicate your idea. So leadership begins not when others trust you, but when you trust yourself. And the last one is authenticity. So if people, uh, if people feel they're not getting access to the real you, to a full and complete accounting of what you know, think, and feel, then you probably have an authenticity wobble. So a quick test, how different is your per professional persona from the one that shows up around your family and friends? If there's a sharp difference, what are you getting in return for masking or mi minimizing certain parts of yourself? What's the payoff? So being your real self sounds nice in theory, but there can be a powerful reason for holding back in certain truth. And we're talking about the inauthenticity as a strategy, a way of navigating the workplace. If this is how you operate, you're dealing with an authenticity wobble. So in the experience, uh, although will holding your true self may sometimes help you solve problems in the short term, it puts you an artificial cap on trust and by extension, uh, your ability to lead. So when people sense that you're counseling the truth or being less than authentic, 
they are far less willing to make themselves vulnerable to you in the ways that leadership demands. So I hope it helps you to understand how you can build trust in your organization and uh, what is your uh, driver wobble that they call it. So you can know which one to look for when uh, you sense that you don't have uh, this kind of relationship that you want with the people in your organization. Marie-Pierre, Marie-Pierre, I love it. You, but you didn't cover this part, eh? Mm, this is the good one. You're going you're gonna to put it on, uh, on um, the group. If you haven't joined our group on Facebook, uh, the group Inspirational, the Millionaire of the Diamonds, please go, go because there's another segment she didn't cover this morning. It's called How to Build It. So one, recognize that building trust takes hard work. I, I won't cover it because we won't have enough time. But Marie-Pierre, I just love it. She has in here, be consistent. Oh, I love that one. Oh, oh build accountability. Be Oh, okay. Sorry, guys, I, I'm just very, very passionate by this document. There's 11 points, 11 points. Uh, go get it, print it, because I have, I, I take notes, but I also print a lot of documents. I'm very intentional about growth. So in closing, when I, I looked at this chapter and I knew what, Melanie, you were going to cover, and I just loved the way you brought the neocortex and the limbic brain. And as a matter of fact, I understood it. So that says a lot because these are kind of words I lose myself. Like, huh? I go like this, huh? What are you talking about? What are you talking Linda, did you get a dog? Look at me, did you get it? I'm getting distracted. There I go, there goes Maria, squirrel again. <laughs> squirrel again. So if the human being is a snowmobile, then we are designed to operate in very specific conditions, right? Which is snow. But who are you really, really you know? Just for fun, the, the ones on Zoom with me and the ones on uh, Podbean so I can read your comments and on Facebook, you know, give, give yourself a description. I said to myself, I'm a fighter jet. You know, I, I had to fight to get married to Mohammed the Muslim from Algeria with the Italian Catholic. Um, I had to fight to be in this unconventional business, which is multi-level marketing. Like, let's face it, Melanie Miller, nobody says, oh, congratulations, you joined multi-level marketing. I mean, you just don't get that, right? So uh, that's why I said fighter plane. What would you, what would you call yourself, Melanie? If you describe yourself to a machinery. I don't know. I was thinking sailing boat. Oh. Sometimes I'm really, really on and fast. Other times I like to just drift with the wind and listen to others. Okay, I like that. I love that. Marie-Pierre, what machinery? Give me a name of a machinery that most defines you. I think maybe a boat. <laughs> a boat? Which kind of boat? I don't know the kind of boat. Anyways, I, for me, this was an interesting exercise. And first thing was, you know, fighter jet. So I need to ask myself this now. Is my machinery in the right environment? Melanie Miller, I know you are. I know you are in the right environment because this is a business. This is a business that you can glide when you feel like, whose dog am I hearing? 
It's yours. <laughs> okay. This is a place where in multi-level marketing that Melanie can go full force ahead. Like right now, she is driving, recruiting in our business and definitely being the quarterback. Actually, she's got even the French pumped up. Like, I love it. And then there's other times where you can say, oh, let them ride. Okay, perfect. So I know I am a personal growth seeker. I thrive. Like for me, the best part of my day is getting up at five and working on a segment for the podcast. I am driven with personal growth. I am ambitious. And it's not a question I want more money. It's just that more money represents that I'm growing personally. This is what I said to Jean-Philippe, Sabrina, and Marie-Pierre this morning. Remember, when you increase your finances, it's directly correlated to the fact you're growing personally. So I want more also spiritually. I want more for my community. I want to be a, a community a community trendsetter, you know, changer. Like I've got all these things in my mind for my family, the same thing. So I joined a multi-level marketing business. And then what happened in my multi-level marketing I, as I stepped up in the ranks of leadership, so not when I became a consultant or a manager, but once I stepped it up to director and above, I started creating my own world in my multi-level marketing. This is why we say, join us, the diamonds. We're number one in the world. Like our community, you join our Tupperware business and you join somebody else's Tupperware business. It's not going to be the same business. And for many of you that have been in different Tupperware businesses and then you come to ours, you can see the difference. Okay. Because basically what happened here at the diamonds, I created my right conditions for me, the fighter jet. So I can thrive. You see, empathy is one of my wobblers. But thanks to my new environment, especially since COVID and that we are now on Zoom and everything, I created the right environment where I can. Hang on, guys, a second. Now it's, 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 my, uh, it's my thing here, okay? If it's not Mel, it's me. If it's not me, it's Marie-Pierre. We got dogs all over the place. Yesterday, I had six dogs in the house here. It was wonderful. Okay, so I create, see, I create my own environment where this is acceptable. <laughs> you get it, guys? Whereas this would never be acceptable if I was working for somebody. Who would love to create their own environment? For those that I see on Zoom, just raise the hand. Who would love to be, there you go. Thank you, Monique. This is why I'm here and this is why I'm willing to work harder, right? Snowmobiles don't run well in the desert. So sometimes amazing human beings like you guys need to understand you need to get out of the desert and get in your right environment so if that is you this message is directly for you sometimes the harder we try to do things right the worse we feel ever feel that when working for somebody melanie miller i know you've been through that you say this is ridiculous okay we need to get the environment right and that is within your circle of influence. Get out of the toxic relationship, okay? Your relationship with your spouse doesn't feel right. Get out, get out. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that today, okay? Sometimes you have your young adults at home. Maybe it's time for them to get out. You know, if they're not gonna cooperate, then they've gotta get out. Does that make sense? You're in a job where it suppresses you. Get out, get out. 
We need to get the right environment at work, at home, and learn how to work together. It's impossible to work together if you're not in the right environment. Remember, nothing great was ever accomplished, like Melanie said, by a single person. So until you don't get the right environment, you'll never have cooperation. I know in my work, I see leaders playing with the snowmobile when they should be focused on the conditions. Uh, in my upper level management, whether I'm looking at staff or sometimes the CEO or president or whatever, and I'm saying, what are they doing tinkering with the snowmobile? Get it out of the desert and put it back on the snow. We as leaders need to create and manage the right culture. So can you fix that? If you are in control, fix it. Get the right environment going and spend less time trying to fix a snowmobile to make it work in the sand. And there's a few elements. I wasn't going to share it, but then I look at my times, I'm going to share it. For me, there's, there's a few notes I wrote down just for me personally, and I'll, I'll, I'll share them with you this morning. I wrote down seven elements to lead with bold and grace, okay? Because I'm very bold, but I just needed to add the grace, okay? So one, driven by a higher purpose. I am definitely driven by a higher purpose, even my podcast helping people to build a community where they level up so they can be financially free. Number two, I'm contribution focused. What can I give you? The podcast was born uh, out of the fact also that I make no money. My people make no money. This is a contribution focused podcast. So if I can give with no money in return, it's my way to contribute. Uh, I, number three, my behavior needs to be flexible. I need to understand that some people are just not fighter jets and it's okay. We need all kinds of people. Number four, I need to adapt. Number five, I need to be resilient. So these are my personal notes for me. Number six, I need to turn conflict into collaboration. Now, there, there's a lot of people that came back to work with us right now. And I said to Marie-Pierre and Jean-Philippe this morning and Sabrina, that's only because I, I work to turn conflict into collaboration. And then number seven, which was an important note for me, kindly candid. So if you're not going to be part of my environment, I stop pushing people out. I'm just kindly candid and I just talk to the ambitious and the strong and the one that want more instead of telling the other ones, get out, because that would have been more me in the past, right? Get out of my way. Well, I wouldn't have said it, but you would have felt it. Right, Monique? <laughs> She's been there already. And you see how we work on being a better version of ourselves. So for those of you that have known me for a long, long time, we are a work in progress. So every day that I'm not working on me, I'm going backwards. So what are you doing every day to work on you? Definitely, I recommend the conditioning program that really, really helps and making sure you're getting your snowmobile in the snow or whatever machinery you decided that you're going to call yourself, get yourself in the right environment. All right, Melanie, thank you so much. Marie-Pierre, thank you. Another beautiful podcast. And my Anglo friends will see each other tonight. Be sure you're wearing your blue for the blue topper draw tonight. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you.